Welcome to the Family Room Podcast. Jennifer McGee is coming up, but first, a little tease for my guy, Kent Morris. Most of y'all probably know him, Chad and Ashley Morris's son, Dr. Chad, as we call him on this podcast. But Kent is going to come on soon. We're going to run it next week. And we're going to talk about his song, I'll Remain, which is the intro music for this podcast. So we keep it in the family room here, just like The Godfather. So also, I need to find the right person to discuss The Godfather with. I'm working on that. But look forward to Kent. But first, let's get to Jennifer. Jennifer McGee, if you missed her lesser half, John McGee, that ran on Sunday night, just look at the podcast feed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and easily find it. Great conversation with John. And if this is your first listen and you're wondering, what in the world are we doing here? Push pause. Go listen to the introduction. It's the pseudo trailer for this podcast. It'll take you like six minutes, tell you all you need to know, then come back. Don't wait, because Jennifer McGee is coming right now. Jennifer McGee is with us. Jennifer, I know you like to read. Uh, are you getting any reading done during the quarantine? Um, yes, I am. Maybe not as much as I would like, but I did just finish my uh, Life Together by Bonhoeffer today. So I did get um, some reading done. Do you have to read in a certain spot? Like do you have to be on the porch or the living room or something? Uh, I generally... I actually like to read in bed, but now that I'm reading more from stuff from the library uh, that I can download onto my iPad for free, uh, John does not like me reading in bed because he doesn't like any lights on. He can see the light from yeah. the uh, from the screen. So he's, I'm always like, just shut your eyes. And he'll say, it's in my eyes. I'm like, well, shut up. And then you won't see it. But um, so I end up usually reading on the sofa at night, kind of after he's gone to bed, I out in the living room is generally when I do most of my reading. And you don't, you don't fall asleep like that? No. Uh -uh. In fact, if I get into a good book, I mean, I'll look at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 2 a.m. And, you know, uh, I've been reading. So yeah, I can get sucked in. That's One of my rules wow. for reading is like, you know, you don't start reading unless you have a good 45 minutes minimum, you know, to, to devote to it. Um, Really? So, yeah, what, so that's why I usually wait till the evenings. What kind of what kind of books are you into? Like, you do you mostly focus on the classics? Like, I know you were an English literature major, but you you focus on the classics. Do you like some more modern stuff, biographies? Um, I do not ever read biographies. No, I generally I like fiction. Um, so whether that is um, murder mysteries. Um, whether it's um, just, you know, something on the bestseller list. Um, you know, I, I've read a bunch of the, most of the classics are a lot of the classics, you know, I read back in college. So I haven't really, there's a bunch I need to read and I probably need to go back and read, but I, I haven't, I have to say I haven't done that. Um, but really my book club that I'm in has pushed me to read some things, um, some not biographies, but more like memoirs um, that I never, never would have read. And actually one of my favorite books that I read, um, The Devil in the White City, about the Chicago World's Fair, 
I never in a million years would have read it when it was when it was put out as one of our book club choices. Um, I thought it was historical fiction. Yeah. I went to Barnes, I went to Barnes and Noble to look for it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm looking for the author's name, and I'm going up and down the roads, and I finally went to the help desk. And I was like, where is this book? And they said, oh, it's in the historic, it's in the U.S. history section. Oh. And I went, oh my gosh, U.S. history for the love. I was like, no way. Am I? But anyways, I was like, no, I'm a good book club member. I'm going to read the assigned book. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So, um, so you know, if somebody tells me something's really good and gives it to me, um, or like, you know, it's a book club pick, I'll read it. But. Um, but for the most part, I just kind of stay with fiction. For me, reading is kind of my TV watching. You know, that's my unwind, relax, you know, chill out. I like to do that with a book. Gotcha. So you, it's overwhelming. It's kind of like you could use the parallel of TV. There's there's so much content. And with books, it's, you know, it, it's never ending. So is there any, uh, are there one or two things that you sort of like, obviously you have your book clubs so and maybe you approach something you wouldn't typically do, but if you're just picking a book out, what are one or two things you use where you're like, okay, I'm going to in- invest in this book. It feels like an investment. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, j- yeah. And there'll be books that I download from the library that, I mean, I used to always say never, you know, always finish a book, but sometimes now I can get a couple of you know, I can get a couple of chapters into something and return it. Um, a lot of times, you know, I will just go by the um, bestseller list and I'll, I'll look through the bestseller list. Um, you know, I have a group of friends that read that we pass recommendations back and forth. Lynn O'Quan just gave me a book to read, um, you know, that I loved. And so we you know, just kind of you know, pass them around like that. So you kind of have your circles of friends that you know who read and you trust what they like. Um, I, for a while, every year I would read the um, Man Booker Award winning novel. Um, Life of Pi was one of the Man Booker Award winners. Um, But lately they've gotten kind of some bizarre picks. So I've kind of gotten away from, you know, I used to trust the Man Booker Award winner um, and I haven't, I haven't trusted it lately. So, um, you know, so it is hard. It is hard to find something that, you know, that's going to be worthwhile, um, you know, hopefully have some kind of redemptive quality to it. Um, but I, I like to go with, um, you know, award winners like this. The last, One of the books that I suggested for book club, um, the last one that I picked was a finalist for the man booker. I liked it, but nobody else in the book club did. It was very dark. <laughs> and bleak, but, um, but, you know, so I do like a variety of things. So now did you, did you like inhale books growing up? Oh yeah. In fact, um, my students laugh cause I'll tell them that I was like, look, my grades were not the best because I read all the time. And if I would, <laughs> when I was supposed to be doing homework in my bedroom, I would hear, um, I would be reading and I would have my, you know, book, I'd sit on the floor and lean against my bed. And I have my notebook sitting out next to me. And then if I heard my mother's footsteps coming down the hall, the book I was reading, I would stick under the bed and I would pretend like I was doing homework. <laughs> and she went to one of my uh, parent teacher conferences when I was in the seventh grade. 
And the teacher said, well, she would have an A in the class, except for the fact that she's not turned in seven homework assignments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I had a C in the class instead. <laughs> but, you know, fortunately, I've been able, if I read something, I can pretty much understand it and spit it back out to you. Yeah. So um, that was one of the reasons I majored in English literature. I was like, well, I'm going to read anyway. I might as well <laughs> read yeah. for my degree because otherwise I may not get out of college. So. Uh, I, know, I know you don't read a lot of biographies like you just mentioned, but I was thinking, like I once read C.S. Lewis's autobiography. And when I finished, like I felt like I made a new friend. Are there any mm -hmm. authors for you that have really drawn that out where I know, I know you don't read a ton of nonfiction, so maybe this doesn't apply. Um, I mean, there definitely have been some of the memoirs that I have read. Um, I read Educated by, I think, Tara Westover was her name, maybe. Um, and then the woman who wrote The Glass Castle, I can't remember what her name is. Um, those books prompted me to go look up the people in real life. Um, when I've read some of my, um, there were some historical fiction books that um, I just absolutely loved that the author, um, you know, took real people. It yeah. was, um, oh, it was not Henry VIII. It was, um, you know, one of those kings, Richard yeah. the Lionhearted and Prince John from Robin Hood and all those guys. And um, it was all about how England took over Wales. And so these books were almost like textbooks, but they were novels. And it was just so fascinating that it had me really digging into the history and really, you know, looking up these people in real life and trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't. Um, and then, you know, I told John one time, um, I just started reading Oh, a murder mystery series that actually they made a TV show out of it, the Rizzoli and Isles TV show. Yeah. Well, that was based on, you know, books. And I had started, I think, listening to one on tape, driving to Colorado, and I started reading all of the books. And um, after, like, you know, I had read about 12 of them. And um, I told John, I said, I I've read them all. Like, I've got to wait for the next one to come out. I feel like, like, what's going on with them? I want to know what's going on in their family lives. And um, he was looking at me like I was kind of bizarre. But I can get kind of sucked in. And I'll, a lot of times I'll research maybe the author and see what is, you know, what part of the author's life was into the book or, or um, those sorts of things. So you, you mentioned, you know, reading is for you. Obviously, I can tell it's definitely a, a joy for you and it's something you do to, to unwind dealing with a chronic illness with, with MS, like has that was, has reading been like a big part of managing that? Um, you know, I always read before. Um, I think it has definitely, it's added a layer of, um, to my reading to where something, um, you know, maybe something that, I, I will say I have cried more when I read sad stories than I used to, and, you know, and so um, I think it's because maybe I can identify with the pain or, or of something um, maybe a little more. Uh, but, you know, there was a study one time that showed that people who read fiction are more empathetic than people who don't read fiction because, you know, everybody can't experience 
everything painful or hard in life, right? You're, you're going to experience something, but there's a wide variety of things that cause pain and disappointment and heartache in life. And so when you read fiction, you know, you experience all sorts of different issues um, through the characters of the book. And so I think um, when I have read certain things, they have definitely maybe affected me more because I've identified with the characters more. That's fascinating. Yeah, but, but And other than that, too, you know, just if I'm having a bad day, you know, it's like I'm going to go lay on my bed and read. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm going to go lay on my bed and read. <laughs> when, when were you diagnosed with MS? I was diagnosed... Um, Right at the year 2000. So it's been 20 years now, a little over 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, the kids were young. Hmm. When, when did it sort of, I mean, was it right then and there? When did it sink in for you that this is something, okay, I'm, I'm going to manage, I'm going to have to deal with this, you know, for the rest of my life? Um, well, you know, I knew right away that it was... Um, you know, incurable. They, they don't, they didn't have a cure. And in fact, when I was diagnosed, they only had three approved treatments to help slow the progression of the disease. Um, so of course, when, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I remember just, um, oh gosh, uh, laying on the bed, crying, you know, John holding me, him crying and just, you know, saying, Lord, you know, take this cup away from me. Um, but obviously he didn't. And um, it, it took a while. I mean, I think my first year certainly was a lot of ups and downs emotionally and, and overreacting to every little twinge of numbness, tingle, tingling, whatever I might have felt. Um, but then, you know, time goes on and, and you just kind of, you know, I had small children at the time. Yeah. So you just have to deal with life. I mean, you can't just lay down and, and wallow in, in self-pity. You have to get up and go on. So um, now I, I look back and I think, gosh, you know, I can't believe it. It's been 20 years and they have um, a lot more new therapies out that do a better job of slowing progression. Um, there's still no cure and um, there's still no way to repair um, damage that's already been done, but hopefully, hopefully those things would come around before too long. Yeah. You mentioned it and this could, this could be a question to any parent really, but from a parent perspective, I'd imagine it, it has to be hard when you have, you know, complaining kids and you're going through your own suffering as a mom, you know? So I guess, how, how did you manage that? I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever said anything to them like stop complaining. Yeah. You know, I have MS and you don't even know you don't, you know, I, I don't, I've never did that. I might've done that later, later in life, maybe in the past five or six years when I hear them complain, um, you know, as young adults, then I'll say, look, don't talk to me about things being difficult, you know, but it, when they were little, obviously it's not something they could have understood and it wouldn't have been fair to, have put that on them. So, um, because, you know, I don't think they really remember a time of me not having MS. I mean, Molly's 27. So she was seven years old when I was diagnosed. So 
they don't really have much memory of me before that. Hmm. So, I mean, now, you know, moving into a, a new stage of parenting, uh, as it were, it, what are maybe some of the, the joys and struggles of the new season? I know you had a, you had a grandkid. Oh my gosh. Yes. And they live in San Antonio, which is so very inconsiderate of them to do. Um, they don't understand that, uh, that that's just not right to do. They need to be closer. No, it is. Um, it is great. I just was holding, um, holding Mary Harden and just thinking, did I love my own children this much? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I did. I think she's better than my own kids. But the, the hardest part I think about being a parent now is, uh, you know, they have their own lives. I mean, Molly is married, has a child. Christopher is living in Houston. He has a career. Hunter's still in college. Um, but you lose that parental control, yeah. right, that you had when I could make decisions for them and say, no, you can't do this. No, you can't go there. Um, no, you have to do this. And um, so that is, that's the scary part because now it's, did they learn any of the lessons that I, that we taught them? Did we teach them good lessons? Did we do the right job? Because now is where we're going to see the results. And so, you know, I think of, um, again, Molly with the baby, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they don't know how to take care of a baby. They, you know, they, they need me around. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know if they know what they're doing. They're, they're too young. They haven't been parents long enough. They've yeah. only been parents for four months. They don't know what they're doing. But, um, but then, you know, nobody knows what they're doing the first time around. So, yeah. Do you feel like you're a, a young married again, you and John? Oh, being, being kind of empty nesters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in some ways I, I wouldn't say young married and it's, we definitely have enjoyed it in some ways. It's really nice that, you know, we don't have to really worry about if we want to go do something, we go do it. We don't have to worry about um, making sure there's dinner for somebody or, or who's going to babysit or, um, you know, so it's nice to be able to kind of pick up and go at the last minute. I mean, we definitely still have the dog. So that's a, that's almost like having a kid. Um, but, true. but we do, you know, we do kind of enjoy it's funny. Um, we're getting to be like a little old old married couple we have our little tv shows that we like to watch and then you know when the kids come home and they're all watching their stuff or doing this and i'm kind of thinking well now i'm kind of they're making a mess in my house (laughs) they need to go home (laughs) so i can clean up my house and i can watch what i want to watch on my tv (laughs) so i do i feel i feel myself becoming my parents i'm just like oh my gosh it's happening i i i feel like uh when, when your kids are out the house, you probably find more $20, you know, $20 bills in your pocket. Like, you know, we used to be like, dad, we need $20 to go buy whatever, but we, you know, we'd, we'd buy it for $12. We'd, we'd pocket the other eight. Oh, but you well, but now it's the, um, you know, it's the, oh, I see something and I want to send it to the baby. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so now of course that's my choice, not anybody asking me for money, Yeah. but, um, but that is, but the big thing, I don't know what it is with just talking about having adult children. I, I don't understand what it is about the cell phone. They don't ever want to get their own cell phone plan. They all want to stay on our plan 
and just Venmo us money. And I'm like, y'all are adults. Like you have your own jobs. Why are you still on mommy and daddy's cell phone plan? And they keep saying, it's just cheaper. It's just cheaper. I'm like, okay. But I keep thinking, well, now you have your own child. How many people are we supposed to have on our cell phone plan eventually? And everybody <laughs> keeps, I don't get it, but. It's a family yeah. plan. It's a big old, it's so. a big old family plan. I guess so. And I guess we're going to have to carry that family plan for a long time. All right. Let's do a little, let's do a little speed round. Okay. Just okay. Some, some quick questions here. Favorite board game? Trivial Pursuit. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Um, what What's a passage or verse that you come back to often? Um, oh, gosh. The one about, um, oh, I can't quote it right now because you just asked me. Yeah, I know. I put, light, you're good. The, you're good. Um, light and momentary, you know, afflictions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or nothing compared to the joy we have ahead of us. So that would be the one that I go back to. Yeah. Amen. I love that too. Um, what was your favorite family vacation when the kids were still in the house? Um, we went to Africa with, and actually we went with my entire family, my parents, my brother and his family and my sister and her family. And it was just incredible to be sitting there in this open Range Rover and to have a lion walk right by you to where I could have reached out my hand and touched it. If I had, if I had been so foolish, Um, (laughs) it, it was just truly Cape town was just the most gorgeous, uh, place in the coast and watching those two oceans come together. It, it was just amazing. Wow. So it's probably the best, but we do love, we go to Colorado every year. Um, and the kids just love doing that too. Wow. I love it. Um, which one of your kids can make you laugh the hardest? Oh gosh. Um, I know this is tough. Yeah. One of the two boys, and I would have to say it goes back and forth. Um, Christopher probably, Christopher might edge Hunter out a little bit, but Hunter says some pretty darn funny stuff. Just maybe not quite as often. It yeah. may be funnier, but less often. Okay. All right. You, what was your, uh, your go-to home-cooked meal when you were in the prime of being a mom? Oh, gosh. Um, I used to do my grandmother's roast rice and gravy, Mimi's roast rice and gravy, and everybody pretty much liked that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, when I would do spaghetti, my spaghetti was just opening a jar of ragu. Yeah. And uh, Hunter one time said, Mom, I just like your Italian food better. I don't like Italian food at restaurants. I like your <laughs> Italian food. And I was like, Hunter, but you don't understand. I don't make Italian food. I open a jar of ragu. Like you're missing out, buddy. No, you're like good. I I don't have to buy you Italian food from restaurants. I can buy you the three dollar ragu jar. Uh, I know they're happy with that frozen lasagna. <laughs> all right, get get you out on this one. Does does John play pranks on you at the house? Does he play jokes on you? What's it What's um, it really like? No, he really doesn't. Actually, the funny thing is you're gonna this is gonna sound odd but other people think he's funnier than (laughs) the people in the house (laughs) the people who live with him you know i mean which is kind of 
funny. Like, I guess maybe we're used to it. We're used to him. But, um, but, and I think too, he kind of saves his humor for other people a little, a little bit. <laughs> he saves he the does. humor. Yeah. His, he saves his energy for others. Yes. Yes. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. both of y'all are, <laughs> go ahead. Well, he, he's definitely like, oh, your husband is so sweet. Your husband is so you know, friendly. I mean, I get that all the time and I'm, you know, and I'm like, yeah, he is. That's right. I'm friendly too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't say that part, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he doesn't at home. He's a little more reserved at home, which is strange. Well, both of you bring a lot of joy to, uh, our lives at the church and we're thankful for y'all and thankful for you. Appreciate you coming on and, uh, and sharing a little bit. I know people will appreciate it. Oh, sure. I'm happy to do it. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks again to Jennifer. I love it. And uh, thanks again to our sponsor for this podcast, Lauren Franzella, for putting up with me. All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Family Room Podcast. Turning the lights out. See you.